You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Superlative, a podcast about watches, the people behind them, and the worlds that inspire them. Spending time with the Blog to Watch community and the stories we discover. Let's get started. Hey everyone, this is Ariel Adams with the Superlative Podcast. Today I'm joined by fellow A Blog to Watch editorial staff member Bilal Khan. Hey Bilal. How's it going? Well, we're here together and we're going to do a, an unboxing. This is the first show of its kind. And the idea is to show people a little bit what it's like to work at a watch review magazine and some of the things that we talk about. And one of the rituals that we have is that we get together once in a while and we open up boxes with watches. Now that's the pandemic, things are a little bit different because we haven't actually seen a lot of these watches beforehand. This is the first time we see it. So it's, um, I don't know, some people say it's like, it's like Christmas all the time. Kind of. You feel that way? In a way, in a way. But What's after it more like? the fourth month, it's not as fun anymore, you know? Oh, you mean like of being in being yeah. in, in pandemic? And uh-huh. you're right. I mean, nothing's. I mean, it's the idea that it's Christmas every day. We get watches sent to us a lot, and we get to like open it up as though it's ours. It's often not ours, but yeah, um, it's fun. It's still fun. It's fun, right? Absolutely. Um, especially some of the crazy packaging. I'm looking here now. Not all the stuff here is from the packaging that it came in the box, but we got that Tudor watch recently, and this was, you know, a small little, you know, Tudor watch. Yeah. 39 millimeters wide. And the box looked like it was like a case of wine. You could put 12 <laughs> bottles of wine in there. Wooden box. <laughs> People love packaging. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it adds a sense. So, okay, so let's see. How many watches do we have here to look at? We got um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We've got about nine watches here. Some of these are from oh. the same, same brand. Um but you know, this is this you know this is like a, a not so untypical haul yeah, of watches. Yeah, pretty standard after like a week or so. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a knife here and start to open up some of these things because you know these some of these packaging ugh, comes with a lot of stuff. Where this one oh, come boy. from? This one came from Switzerland itself. So I'll open up this one right here. Um, there's this phenomenon, you know, when it comes to sort of like product reviews and stuff like that of the unboxing video. We don't do that. I've, never, I've always thought they're kind of boring. Um, what is your take on the sort of, not just in the watch space, but the mm-hmm. unboxing video itself? What's I agree up with you. that? It's kind of boring. It's a little hokey at this point, which is why I'm glad that we are doing it in a more, you know, it's not with like a glove on and a box that's kind of, you know, that we're being super precious about, you know? Is that is that what they're normally like? There's a glove. Yeah, yeah. People wear gloves. They make it very fancy. At least the ones that I've seen, and I should say that I'm not a enthusiast of unboxing videos, but that tends to be what I see. But they're so popular on internet. I'm with you. I find them so weird, and mostly, let's be honest, outside of the watch space. But I remember more than a decade ago now, there was this one unboxing video I, I, I saw. And I remember so much of it. It was the actual watch isn't even that important. It was an, it was an IWC uh, Portuguese, and the video had a couple of elements I thought were really weird. It was quasi romantic. Okay. So this guy was like in his living room, and he had this really big box. It was the IWC watch box 
on a table. And there was a couple key things there. They had music, like piano music. Oh, boy. And he had um, like, a, like a glass of wine, like red wine. That's a bit much. Yeah, it was the a bit much. don't need to be It was, it was a it. bit much. Um, sorry, if you hear some background noise, uh, everyone, I'm, I'm taking out some watches from these boxes. This the one's got a lot of open. foam. Wow, look at this. This is. Oh, you know what? Is, we could use these, these a These actually things. might be uh, non-content watches. Non-content watches? Yeah. Well, we're going to make, we make content with all the watches. That's true. But it's about, Although it's we about We have the already unboxing. made content with these. Anyway, you know yeah. what? Open it up. I'm not yeah. going to tell We you. didn't, yeah. <laughs> Bilal wants everything to be, yeah. everything to be watches that were just for editorial. I know. I'm just, I don't know why I'm being so He's so serious. Bilal's serious. I, I mean, one of the things that people need to understand about what we do at a blog to watch is there's no like rules that say like, this is how to have a watch magazine or anything like that these days. We have to make these rules up as we go along, and we need to make sure that we are, you know, actually serious. Okay, so what we have here, this is a very special watch. Um, we actually did review these, but we have these back for another reason. This is the Louis Arard um, with Elaine Silverstein regulator. And this is the first return of, I guess you could say, I don't even know how long it's been since you have an affordable watch of Elaine Silverstein in a long time. 2012, he, I think, is was that the was that the last time? Mm -hmm. So here's a, so we got the watch here, and if you know Elaine Silberstein, you know a sort of interesting style when it comes to having these sort of bright colors and distinctive hands and things like that. This is a collaboration with Louis Arard that's known for its regulators. So this is the Elaine Silberstein regulator. I don't know if he's done one before. He hasn't. Um, his first one. What, what would you call this thing? It's a a patch. It's a patch. It's like a, so like a, a fabric patch. It's a like, fabric patch. You, you would go on your bomber jacket. Exactly. And it's got the dial of the watch and uh, some text around it. Would you have expected club. a patch? No, I would did not you know have there was an owner's patch. club. I did not know that there was a club or yeah. a patch. And this is just one for for 2020. So apparently wow. it's a tradition. I mean, that's the funny thing. You'll see something like this. There's no explanation or anything like that. There's yeah, but it, just the it patch. Explains itself. And did you did you see this patch the first time around when you had sort of a sample of this watch to look at? There was no patch. There was no patch. Okay, so here's the retail watch itself. And again, it's interesting because Bilal had an opportunity to see this watch before. So we've both seen this watch before, but we saw it in prototype phase. Now it's the retail phase. Does it look or feel at all different to you? Absolutely not, actually. From okay. What I can tell, there's not that many changes, if any. I feel like the crystal is more AR coding. You think so? Well, you spent more time with it. I only saw it for a few minutes. Yeah. I. It seems pretty similar to me. To be okay. Honest. Okay. And you liked it the first time around. You it. still like it now? Oh, yeah. Des describe this for people because again i mean part of the point of the show is i want people to go on to a blog to watch.com to see what these things look like if they're interested but you don't understand watch. this watch it's got if you don't triangles have and circles and squiggly <laughs> lines and squiggly lines arrows and primary colors it's you know it's now, you are a, a silver you, you are at this you point a professional watch reviewer would you is that how you would mm -hmm. describe it in writing it's got a bunch of squiggly lines and it's literally, I mean, it's a squiggly line. I mean, this is the most accurate way that I can say what this watch is. I mean, it's not 
sober scenes craziest piece by far. No, no. It's actually probably a toned down version of anything that he did with his own brand, right? Um, I'm a huge fan of this piece. I think it's perfectly sized. I think it's so much fun. What the is finishing the finishing is immaculate. It is 40 millimeters, I'm pretty sure. Right. I think it's a 40. Yeah. Um, it fits great. I forget the thickness of it. It's pretty thin, it's though. It's pretty thin. It's like 11 point something, I believe, which is pretty good. Yeah. Right. So would you? where would you wear a watch like this? This is outside of the pandemic. <laughs> after being in watches for so long, yeah, this would be my everyday watch because it's just so atypical and fun, but it's still an actual quality timepiece. I love it. So it's the distinctiveness and it's the its ability to be a watch, but also be eccentric that you like. In part, in part, yeah, I think that's a fair. Uh, I I just I I think this conversation is interesting because if you just saw this watch your first year or two being into watches oh, you would not you'd have no idea what to make of it you know what i mean you'd have no idea what and to I make of it encourage you to see it online if you haven't because squiggles triangles and squares is vague but that is the most accurate that i can be okay so that's the louis erard uh times elaine silberstein regulator um and that's something that we got that's the first watch we looked at now i'm looking at this catalog right now that is in english and russian Okay. And this is from the company Raketa, which is a Moscow-based watchmaker that makes their own stuff. This is a brand that has been around since the early 60s, but we only started writing about. Right. Any thoughts on Raketa? I am sadly pretty ignorant about this brand. I know that they've got an interesting history in the Soviet Union, etc., but I've got no idea what's in that box just because of the lack of information I have about them. Except for the Big Zero. I do know that watch, but... The Big Zero? That, yeah. I actually don't remember which watch this is. This might be the Diver. I really like this one called the Amphibia. That one's kind of famous, right? It's, it's, so, got, the, it's got the Big Zero. Here's the catalog. The it's got the Big Zero. Okay, so let's find the Raketa one here. Uh, now, this is like a new Big Zero. I don't like this. You know, like new Big Zero? Well, there's no, a lot of Big Zero. So the, the box itself is very colorful. It's it got is. just Russian on it. It's got um, interesting symbols, something from the Expo of 1967. A lot of wild shapes. Some type of USSR thing. Yeah, a lot of wild shapes. But I'd say that, you know, compare this to the Louis Arard box, which is black. It's got more personality to it. Yeah. Definitely got more personality to it. Okay. Oh, we, we got here. We got here. All right. Warranty card and this thing that says Russian manufactured. Oh, this is nice. We invite you for an individual tour of the Raketa watch factory if you happen to be in St. Petersburg. So that's where the, that's where the factory is right now. Okay. From 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., you can email factory at raketa.com. Wow. And you can see what a, what a, what a day trip in St. Petersburg. That sounds fun. I haven't actually been to that city yet. I've really wanted to go because Me I understand either. the architecture is fantastic. It's supposed to be incredible. But I've we can go there. see watchmaking. Yeah. yeah. So look at that. this one. You, you don't see this very often where you buy a watch um, and in the packaging there is an invitation. Can I see that? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. And again, this is the type of stuff we'll talk about. In Russian. In Russian. 
Okay. Oh, this is this is neat. This has the big zero. It's not. I think you'll actually like this one. Um, wow. This is about as avant. Like crystal. You're domed. Yeah. You know the funny thing is, even though this is clearly not an Elaine Silberstein, I can see these watches being in the same collection, like very, very, very easily. And this really? is this is a pretty crazy looking watch right here. I I, I can't I can't read any of the. I mean, I know the numbers, but <laughs> what do you think about this thing? Oh yeah, this is fun. Describe for the yeah. guests. What are they? What are they, a, what are they? What do they? What do they want to see? It's got a thick triangle, hour hand, right? It's like it's like yeah. a it's a big it's like a but it's not an arrow with a stick. It's just no, the arrow, a big yeah. red arrow. It's a stylized arrow. Definitely stylized. It's got a lot of. It's red and black, and it's got a big magnifying circle. Is that magnifying circle? I just think it's a ring. Is that magnifying? I don't oh, think really? it's. I think it's just a. The minute hand a is a ring with a little arrow it's on it. It's just a ring with a. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna see what is the official name of this one. And this yeah. Booklet. Oh, and you're right. I, I'm actually yeah. looking at it from the side right now. See, There's a yeah, very dramatically crystal. domed crystal. So this watch combines a variety of like really conservative things. Like the bracelet is just you know it's it's not your Fine. just standard, but it's pretty you know it's pretty simple, nicely done. And then the case gets a little interesting, and then the dial gets super crazy. I happen to think that a lot of the Soviet era watches were amazing, despite the sort of, you know, concept that we think of it being I don't sort know of oppressive. They're they're really cool. Really? Yes. Soviet era watches are cool. So a long time ago, I was like, why are these people interested in collecting Soviet watches? And it's cool because the Soviet Union made their own watches, so it's you oh. know it's all in-house made. Um and the difficult thing about it is that, you know, a lot of them never actually left. So you have to really be there to understand it. But you go to Glashütte, which mm -hmm. was, you know, part of the old East Germany. Yeah. And you go to their factory there. And while it was a little bit different, you know, the, uh, the GDR in East Germany that was, you know, under Soviet control, they made a lot of their own watches as well. They co-opted all these factories that were private. And then they started making, um, you know, the people's watches. And they're right. so cool. Like, and the variety. Like you'd never think that the sort of like government controlled thing was so on top of um was so on top of like hip design. Yeah. Um do you so know do you know what they're known for? Avant-garde, by the way. That's the name of this model. The Raketa Avant-Garde? Yes. They couldn't get more specific than that. It's yeah. It's the avant-garde. It's the avant-garde. It is avant-garde. I don't know that that tells you enough. We're inspired by Kandinsky. Okay, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I can see the numerals, especially. Yeah, the That's... stylized hand. So, this, is this is this a new watch, or is this based upon an it's old watch? Twenty nineteen, it says. So. Okay, but like, is it you know, like a lot of these are retro inspired. Yeah, I. We tend to not know a lot of these things. That's the thing. There's always so many designs that you can never really be an expert. Like, you can know a lot about like. Rolex Submariners, great, but you're not going to know about the history of Raketa. No, this is a very specific. Okay, that's that's a fun watch. It's also okay. about forty millimeters wide. And but it costs how much? Do you know? Um, oh, I don't remember. Does it no. say in the catalog? No. They're pretty affordable. Yeah. I, I'm thinking like around maybe fourteen hundred bucks, maybe less. Raketa Avant-Garde. Bilal is going to check. I'm gonna check. All right, while he's know. while he's checking that, I'm gonna go look at something completely different here. 
All right, we got a we got a TSO. Okay, so I'm gonna open up the TSO watch here. The box. This is a white box. This is like in between interests. It's like somewhere. It's it's not as not as nondescript. It's just sort of a black box. All these boxes have the exact same form. They're square boxes. You op open up a lid like a clamshell, and there's a little thing for the watch inside. Every one of these boxes is the same. It's like, what would you say, nine out of ten? Like watch boxes are identical. Oh yeah, yeah. Where's the variety in that? There's not a lot. There's not a lot. So this this was empty. <laughs> oh, that's an empty watch you got. Oh, here's the watch. Okay, huh. so here's Why the situation. Is it, uh, separate. Yeah, where Why would we need the boxes? It's, I, I don't know, maybe because if we wanted to do an unboxing video. Oh my God. Can you imagine staging an unboxing video like that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I could. Avant-garde, 1250. 1250, so 1,250? 1, 1,250. Okay. So pretty close is what you said. Okay. And it's their, it's their movement. So how do you feel mm -hmm. about that? Just, you don't know so much about the brand. I mean... What do you feel? It's not expensive, but I'd have to know that okay. brand before I spent a thousand bucks or more. So I forget the exact price of it, but this Tissot is about the same price. Okay. So the so far the Louis Erard was the most expensive out of these. Mm -hmm. The Raketta looked a lot like it. Not not way. not okay. Not same style though. Yeah. Same theme, same yeah. genre. Both exactly. of them definitely avant-garde. Okay. Same size. Here's a Tissot that's about the same price. Now we're not we're not trying to select this assortment of watches. This is just sort of what we had. It's random. So it's interesting how these things connect, or at least how we sort of classify them. And you know, we're we're not just sort of journalists in the space. We're also consumers, and it's very important for us that when we communicate it to people, we help them um, categorize them, if anything. Absolutely. Okay. So in this instance, like we said, Tiso sent us an empty box, um, and then a and some packaging to the side. Okay, so one thousand three hundred fifty bucks is the retail the price, price of Tissot. Okay, now you actually um, showed gentleman. me this. Oh yes, you showed me this. This yeah, watch is called the Gentleman. I didn't even know about this particular SKU, which I thought was interesting because the two tone with the solid gold bezel. Yeah, so this is actually very. Uh, so I'm going to let you put this watch on first. This is a watch that the basic version of it without the gold is like seven or eight hundred bucks. And I got really excited about it because it was, you know, a pretty decent everyday watch for seven eight hundred bucks with one of those those I don't even know what Tissot calls them. Yeah, the Powermatic the 80, Powermatic 80 yeah. silicon regulation system, yeah. um, slightly decreased frequency, power reserve of 80 hours. These typically are chronometer rated or can be. So you have an interesting movement that performs well. So you, as a watch person, you can talk about like, oh, you just have something to say about the movement. Absolutely. And then this one for 1350 has a solid rose gold bezel. So there's actual gold in it rather than plated. Yeah. And, and so I thought, nice looking. It, yeah. yeah, so here we go. So Bilal's going to mm -hmm. hold the gentleman for the first time. It's, no, it's not the first time I've actually seen It's his first before. gentleman. No, no, I've seen these before. You've seen them before? Oh, yeah. Where? When they introduced them in 2019, in February. In okay. Oh, okay, so you were at something special. Yeah, I didn't yeah, get yeah. to go to it. No, so there's a little piece of paper here that came with this. It's the Tissot Gold Certificate. Never seen one oh, of these before. Me neither. And it, 
it says in here the actual amount of gold. So there's five and a half grams of, of authentic 18 karat rose gold. Five and a half grams. And um, it's called the Tissot Gentleman with the reference number. And um, this, is in, this is in French and German and English. And there's a little bit about Tissot since 1853. The diversity of its gold range. Offering, so offering exceptional men's and ladies' models reflects our multiple facets of a traditional classic or contemporary style. These gold timepieces are produced with the utmost attention to detail. The precision of the manufactured Edda movements with their gold cases, water resistant to 30 meters, and their impeccable finish make each watch superb heirloom to be handed down lovingly. From generation to generation. This is Tissot's own words. Wow. About the gentleman. But do you want to lovingly pass this watch down to generation to generation? Yeah. I think I'm going to pass it down to you, actually. Oh. I am the next generation. You are the next. It's a really nice watch. The great yeah. brass watch. There's, there's all this plastic on the, on the bracelet. Yeah. So it's making this noise. I. So when I, when I see a watch like this, I think to myself... There's a person out there who wants a gold or wants some gold. Yeah. And I, my, my belief was when you're wearing this, like the thing you go to people, it's like, hey, you know, that's a real gold bezel. I'd be reminding people that all, I don't know why. I would too. But, and I'd remind myself, you know what, Ariel? It's you're not, not just plated. wearing PVD gold. This ain't gold plated. No, no. This is five, five and, and a half, half grams solid of solid grams. Gold. Pure Swiss rose gold. It's a nice looking watch on you too, right? It is. So you're it's a good you're, size. It's a it's a really good size. It's about forty. It's just it's like a it's. I wish that I wish the name wasn't so generic, but it is. It's just a gentleman watch. Um, it's definitely retro inspired, and I like that it combines that everyday ease of wear with sort of a watch enthusiast themed movement. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in just steel. For half the price, I think that's a pretty good deal as well for 800 bucks. That's not quite half the price. No, it's not quite half the price, but it's what? Yeah, it's okay. So it's about seven something, maybe seven, eight hundred for the steel version. So yeah. the gentleman is available on or off a bracelet. The one we have here is all steel on a bracelet. Like I said, the bezel itself is 18 karat rose gold. Um, and then the hands and hour markers are rose gold tone, and the dial is sort of a silver of silver tone, and it's got that crosshair look yeah. on the dial. That I, I mean, it just sort of makes things, you know, look a little bit a little bit sporty. Yeah, yeah. You can do it's do a you look casual. It's got something going on on the dial. It's not just a blank space. Yeah. What do you think about the movement presentation on the back? I think it's nice. I think it's you know kind of standard swatch. You know, it's got. Sorry, there's a sticker back here, so I can't see the whole. I'm thing. just saying, put your put your like mind in the shoes of someone during their first like two uh -huh. or three years of being into watches. Okay, like two, two or three years is a good amount of time though to know what what you like and what you don't like. You know. Sure, I'm just saying like you've not necessarily been presented with like you know a long game. That's you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. You just you want to have respectable watches. I don't know. I'm. I love the idea of watches. I think would be really good for people getting into it's it. It's a great starter watch. It's a great starter sure. watch, right? 
Absolutely. Even not even even For even a little bit of bread, it's kind of the perfect watch if you're in that twenty to upper twenties range. I think it's perfect. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Okay, so that's the Tussaud gentleman with the authentic 18 karat rose gold bezel. So this is a watch that I'm excited to to wear and to write about. Um I think they did a good job with this. Yeah, so you really know, it's nice. been very quiet about it. The finishing on the case is good. Got the gold certificate. Sweet gold certificate. Who's I'm running next? out of space here. I got all this stuff. Um, all right, let's see here. What else are we gonna open here? Oh, here's a box. I'll open that one next. Let's see here. Oh, here's a here's a box. Oh, look at this. Oh. Ooh. What fancy packaging here. Very fancy. We got we got a box with sort of a maroon color. Um, wrapping paper and then a red ribbon. Oh, you know what this is? This is the Wempe. This is a Wempe watch. Oh, really? Would you like to open it up like a gift? Sure. So Wempe oh, is yeah, a is a watch retailer. It's based in Germany, where they have most of their stores. There's a single location in the U.S. Um, Wempe is a little bit different than most watch retailers because they have their own in-house brand. Yep, the Wempe. You like the Wempe, huh? Oh, it came with a little note here as well. That is so sweet. I love the handwritten notes. Oh, this is the new chronograph that they put out. I love the name of the collection. Remember the name? What's it called again? Iron Walker. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's heavy. This is very nice. Doesn't that remind you of the movie The Iron Giant? No. Okay, just me. (laughs) That was a great animated movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. I think it's funny that Tissot sent a box without a watch. Like, if you just saw the box of the watch, you could easily think, there's some mistake here. Just a pretty thick piece here. The Iron Walker? Yeah. How thick is this again? Do you know? I I couldn't tell you. I don't know offhand. You don't know? You want me to get out my digital measuring tool? I mean, if you want to. (sighs) You don't have to. I I wasn't being serious. I do have a digital (laughs) measuring tool. I do, too. Oh, good. (laughs) I like seeing the ritual of when when you give somebody a watch for the first time, what they do. And one of the things that I think is amazing and never ceases to amaze me is people immediately start to fiddle with a crown. I don't know why. I don't oh, really? expect to have happened. Yeah. I don't do that. That's not my first. Well, you've been in this rodeo enough, but. That's true. What are you feeling now? You got the Iron Walker chronograph on your wrist. Now, we've we've seen this watch before in terms of press images, and this received a lot a positive feedback from the audience. I think it's a combination of the style and the price and things like that. that overseas kind of style to it. It's definitely mm-hmm. like wants to be in a group of other cool kids. It's not uncool, but it's definitely not trying to make its own group. Right? It's like, I want to be part of your club and I really want to fit in there. But Wempe hasn't really got to the point where they're making like their own individual like watch club decisions i guess so i mean it's a retailer yeah i was gonna say like i don't think a retailer is gonna go and create I, it's not, it doesn't have the avant-garde creativity of an elaine silverstein no it does not but it probably has for more people a larger sense of sort of like daily wear and i agree with you from afar it does very much feel like an overseas steel case back too interesting solid case back yep all right, I'm going to take it now. All right. Okay. 
first impression. So this is the blue dial version of the Iron Walker. Um, good proportions on the dial. Everything seems to be the right size. Makes sense. Good finishing on the case. Really nice finishing on the case. This watch was like four and a half grand. Yeah, I think this so. This feels like... It's nice. It's really nice. I mean, I was just looking at the new Breitling Chronomat B0142, mm -hmm. which is a different watch, but it's like twice the money. Really? Like over 8,000. Well, it's a Breitling. Like, I'm sure that if you had it in your hand right now... If I had the Breitling in my hand? Yeah. This, this be, I gotta say, this Wempe is an, is an awful lot of watch. That's really nice. This is a really well done thing. Um, and you know, they, they basically so sold out of their first. Really? Yeah. It is so polished. That's the thing. We get excited about watches and we write about them, but we don't ever really know if the community is going to follow suit. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We did. We got, we got legitimately very excited about the Iron Walker. Oh, I see what you're saying about the case, but you want to see the movement. No, I don't. You don't want to see a nice view of the Lasuta Observatory? But I thought it would have one, but I'm kind of glad that it doesn't. Do you want to talk about what a German chronometer is? No. Okay. Do you? Um, well. <laughs> well, since you asked. <laughs> Very little bit. I think the point is that a German and Swiss chronometer are two different things. Yeah. And a German chronometer is actually a more stringent standard. Mm -hmm. So this Wempe says chronometer, and if you looked at it compared it to like another Swiss watch with a said chronometer, you might think they're exact same thing. But they're actually different things. But you'd have to be such a watch nerd to look at this and be like, you're not just any chronometer. <laughs> you know, you'd have to look at the back. And it doesn't even say that. It just says, I don't think it says that, yeah. It just has a picture of this building. And you don't, there's no, con if you didn't know what this building observatory. was. Observatory. Yeah, you see it's an observatory because it's got kind of that, you know, that dome style uh, roof on like sort of a tower. And I don't think most people even understand why an observatory is at all related to the world of timekeeping today. No. I don't think they do either. And okay, this is why this is why it is. A while ago, before you had um, you know really accurate quartz and and electronic clocks, you had to rely on something a lot more precise than a wristwatch to know what time it was when you're when it came to setting other watches or measuring the accuracy of a watch. Because the only way you could measure the accuracy of a watch was to judge it judge its performance compared to another watch that you know is super accurate. But if mechanical watches are all sort of inherently fragile when it comes to accuracy, what then is your standard for determining whether or not a watch is accurate? And so what certain astronomers were able to do is understand there's certain movements in the sky that were so reliable, um, you, could, you could basically measure, measure a, a watch. For, for all effective purposes around it. So the observatory was meant to, I don't know exactly what they did, but they observed certain types of movements that they just knew took a certain amount of time, and then they compared that with the performance of a timekeeper. And that's one of the ways that, and that's why, that's why in a lot of ways, um, the sort of world of astronomy has always been connected to it, because for so long, um, that's how we, we tell the time. We looked at the sky, and then we started using it as a basis to measure the reliability and the performance of mechanical wristwatches and clocks before that. Yeah. That's kind of nerdy, right? It's incredibly nerdy. Is it? I mean, not for someone who is into watch media, but 
you know, probably for most people, but it's fascinating. But it's just, it's just it's amazing. It's a fascinating tidbit, for sure. We have all these things today that we take for granted. Yeah. Like, we take for granted that we can know the absolute right time. Mm-hmm. Like, you go on the internet, there's just this endless things around you that will tell you, like, the right time. Yeah. But what happened for, like, <laughs> the longest time prior to, say, the mid or late 20th century where this was not available... And you had to go around, you had to ask yourself, what's the most accurate clock around town? It was often the church clock. Yeah. In later times, it was like a bank clock. And so there's all these clocks around cities, you know, like Chicago and New York City and Paris and London. And a lot of it was people had a clock that they would walk by on a regular basis and they would set their wristwatch to that clock because they knew someone really cared about keeping that clock accurate. Now, that's, that's a piece of our culture that just doesn't exist anymore. No, it really doesn't. In any way, shape, or form. No, But, true. you know, it used to be that it's like, hey, Bilal, to figure out what time it was, you got to go walk down to the train station. Yeah. That was, that was, a, that was a feature, a facet of life. Um, and church clocks were so important because for most people in town, like, that was the time. And prior to when people really cared about accuracy, you'd, you'd go two or three miles in one direction, and their church clock had a completely different time. The railroads are what created the standardization of time yes, over large are. geographic areas. And, and that, was a, that was a U.S. phenomenon. Anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> this all started because we're this talking about the Wembe Iron Lock. history of timekeeping. And <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is I was is when, like, he's still going. <laughs> when, when I am able to glaze over the eyes of the, my own team members, that's when I know I've struck something good. I was being nice. You were being very nice. I was being very nice. Uh, Wembe Iron Walker. Oh, it actually says it right there on the dial. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Do you think that's sort of a little bit of a heavy metal name, like Iron Maiden? Yeah, and I mean it's a heavy watch. So. This is—it's a heavy metal. I gotta—I gotta listen to this. Or I could wear this listening to some like death metal or something. That see how I feel. <laughs> It's—I mean—it doesn't look like that, but you know what? There's so much metal here. Could you imagine this engraved with all kinds of cool stuff? There's a lot of metal. Okay, my 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 only quip, and this has nothing specifically to do with this watch. But you see right here this little inset pusher? Yeah. Okay. So a certain certain sort of like segment of, of, of movements, like the 7753, um, require you to push a little pusher like that, inset pusher to adjust the date. Yeah. The 7750 doesn't have that. Like, I don't know why. I'm 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 slightly not into this. Me either. I'm with you on that. Okay. And you want you know what my real gripe is? Isn't that there's some added step? It's that this is a watch you don't want to scratch. Yeah. The, the I looked in the packaging. It didn't come with a, what they call a stylus to push it. No. There's no push here. There's nothing. It's too small for like a standard pen. Yeah. If you stick something gonna metal in there. something kind of sharp that's going to scratch it. Probably. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Like, I remember I had an Omega watch that had um, a similar movement in there. You had to correct the date. And it came with this little plastic pusher right. that I don't know where it is or where you're supposed to keep those things. But, I mean, there's just got to be a better way. Like, who has the exact right tool? Because even if you had a paper clip, that would sometimes the paper clip is actually too big, but yeah. that could scratch it. It's definitely going to scratch it. Like, it's so polished. Other than like a very well-made toothpick, yeah. what is a tool in everyone's house that they have that would allow them to adjust the date? It's going to be something that's going to scratch that watch immediately. Right? Yeah. So I'm yeah. just saying the brands add a, add a little tool or 
you know, some of them just have a pusher, an actual pusher, maybe right. one with a screw down crown or a very like yeah. one that's engineered a little bit more into the case mm, or maybe. just not have that feature at all and just do it through the crown like, like nature intended. Yeah. Okay. Ideally. Thank you for listening to my rant about Edda movements. German chronometer graded Edda movements. Yeah. All right, moving on. We got a couple, we got some more watches here. Okay, this is um, completely different. These are some Tracer watches. Tracer is the in-house brand of um, uh, the company that produces tritium gas tubes, MB Microtech in Switzerland, and their in-house brand is Tracer. Um, And we've got two watches here from Tracer. What do we got going on here? Now, I think the point is that pretty much every single Tracer that I know of, I'm pretty sure all of them, have inside of them the tritium gas tubes. I mean, I would think so. So this is this is this is the oh this is their dive watch. This is I think the first I don't this isn't their first diver's watch, but this is the first one I remember. This is a big watch. It's called oh you're gonna like the name of this. It's just called the Super Sub. Okay. The Super Sub. Not at all. It looks a little planet oceany. It's pretty big looking. It's it is big. It's I think it's boy, like huh? 46, 47 millimeters. Ooh. What they got going on here? Oh, got a little micro extension here. Yeah, that's the bracelet. Nice. Um, tritium gas tubes, 500 meters water resistance, but don't hate it. It is quartz. Really? Yeah. You hear your voice just really. You were so excited, like so deflated. Well, What's no, your problem I'm with not, quartz, man? I have no problem with quartz. But, but then what was so that deflated? Thick that the fact that it's a quartz movement kind of, you know. It's uh, too thick for a quartz. I don't know. You think it's too thick? Even though it's water resistant to 500 meters? That's true. That, that is true. 500 meters. It's pretty super sub looking on you. You think so? Is it too big for me? It's a big boy. It's um, a big watch. Not too big for you, actually. But not too big? All right, here, I'm going to let you It's verging on too big. You have bigger wrists than me, so I think you can pull it off a little bit better. I don't think I can pull this thing off. You don't think you can pull it off? No. Okay, so you have. Do you see the resemblance to Planet Ocean? You oh, have absolutely. A Planet Ocean. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's not. It's like the profile is Planet Ocean. I wouldn't say it looks like it. It's just How the much profile. What's the price on this guy? Um, I I don't know off the top of my mind. I'm guessing under a thousand. I, I think mean, the finishing is so. great. It's pretty nice. I like. I think yeah. the case construction and finishing is really top notch. Actually, Here's that bezel sound. Oh yeah, it's decent. You know, it's not, it's not incredible, but because okay, so that's that's water resistant. So what was it? Five hundred meters. Five hundred meters. So here's another tracer. This one's actually this one's water resistant two hundred meters. This one's forty five millimeters wide. I'm gonna take this thing off and hand it back to you. It's incredibly big. It's okay. It's not that big. Jeez. No, it's not that big. Why people? We'll have to have a whole discussion sometime about people's obsession with watch sizes, like getting angry. At it's the... a quartz that's very thick. I've got a problem with that. Okay, so this one right here is a little bit more traditional style of a tracer. And it's a watch that, for the most part, is normally quartz, but this is a mechanical one. Okay. So this is the, the P-something officer. I don't know what it says on here. It's got this tag that doesn't seem to say it. P66 Automatic Pro on the NATO strap. Very, very different design. Still diver style with a rotating bezel. Let's see if it got different sound of click. 
Okay. It's a slightly different one. This one's on a native, so all black, also tritium gas tubes. Um, what do you think about this one? Oh, yeah. That's nice. Bilal likes it. I do like it. A lot, actually. Right? Yeah. That's a nice dial it's got. What would you call the genre of that watch? Aggressive kind of field watch. Aggressive field watch. I think there's another name for that. It's called tactical watch. Tactical? Okay. Tactical. It's a tactical watch, then. There you go. But can you see, like, someone who's... Um... Aggressive field watch. <laughs> <laughs> for very feisty soldiers. Because I think a field watch in general... It's kind of aggressive. I mean... Anything that a soldier is supposed to wear is aggressive, right? That's true. So it's like, um, like unless it's like a medic's watch, field is just a nice way of saying yeah. infantry soldier's watch. Yeah. But this is more a little modern looking, so it's not retro. It's got some interesting like cutaways on the side of the case. This is one of those watches that you think that someone who's into like modern firearms and knives, and if you like, if you like, if you have like a all black gun and a bunch of like EDC. all black knives. Yeah. This watch is for the, I mean, the dial of course has white on it for it to be legible, but otherwise the watch is for the most part, all black. Yeah. Black yeah. strap, black case, white markers on it. And it's a pretty nice strap. And the thing is this, nice you've, you've never heard of this watch before, right? No, not this one. Never. Specific. No, it's nice. There's a phenomenon in the watch world that, I find interesting that so many good watches are not advertised that you can consistently discover new things. And it's not good for the market that they're not advertised enough. But one of the roles that we've had to play over the years is to discover these watches and then bring them to the audience. Because while this watch is you know, available for sale, I've never heard any other third party be like, hey, everyone, the Tracer P66 Officer Pro is cool. Right. Like I had to go and, and, and I've known Tracer for years and this is probably the, I don't know, just even in terms of like hands-on review, sixth, seventh, eighth yeah. Tracer I've had. Never had this specific one. And, you know, they weren't like, hey, let's send this over. I had to say like, you know what? I've, I've been eyeing this one. I've seen pictures of it online. I have no idea if I'll like it or not. Send one over and, you know, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. By the way, going back to this tracer, I'm putting it on my wrist for the first time. And this is a big watch at you know, over 45 millimeters wide. But I like how the NATO strap isn't too long. No, it's really not. You know, there's a lot of them, the NATO straps are, or NATO style strap, if you want to be super precise, is so long that you have to like bend it back yeah, over. Yeah. And I don't know who likes that. Nobody. Nobody likes that. No, it's awful. It's, it's a horrible thing. And some brands have done a good job. I mean, there's actually even a little extra piece of hardware here yeah. in case you needed to. It's a um, perfect length, really. Yeah. So kudos, Tracer. Okay, moving on. We got more watches here. There's just like a yeah. whole assortment. Okay, let's let's stick on the... These are all... These are all okay, because so we had the Russian one, but for the most part, yeah, these are all Swiss watches. Um, oh, the German ones. We had... Okay, so yeah. we had the Russian one, we had the German one, and the rest of them are Swiss. It's just kind of interesting to see the, you know, the diversity here. Okay, now let's 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 look at some Milus watches. With packaging like this, I wonder if you could tell how old the company is and when they were founded. No any, idea. Any questions? I have no idea how old it is. So it has there's like this <laughs> there's like this paper um, cover inside the inside the box. 
and it has, it says 100 years anniversary on it. Okay, it's from 1919, that was from last year, and we're gonna open this up here. It's like a little gray leather pouch. So this isn't the typical box yeah. that we're talking about. Pretty much every, literally every other watch that we the opened box. up is a slight variation of the clamshell box. Inside there's like a pillow or, you know, some type of, you know, thing that the watch goes on. And this is totally different. Yeah. It looks retro, but just seeing this sort of like zippered wallet style thing, like, what do you, what do you think practical. when you see this? Seems more practical. Yeah. Right? It's nicer though. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like I want to keep this little thing. travel case. For sure. Most of the time with watch boxes, when it comes to watches that, that are mine, I, I it's this challenge because I want to throw it away. somewhere. Yeah. In a corner in my office. That's how it... The irony of collecting watches, the watch itself is relatively small. Yeah. Right? But if you want to keep the stuff that comes with it... It's a lot of square footage. It's a lot of square footage. Okay, so let's open this one up here. Okay, so this is kind of fun. So this is the Milus... Archimedes. Um, we actually got two of them here in, in different colors. Now, this watch comes with the strap not connected to the case. How often do you see that? Never. Right? I don't think I've ever seen it. So It's marks, so you can see how it's pretty simple to just click it off and on. Not, But not all straps are like that. No. So this one has what they call the quick release spring bar, mm -hmm. which means you don't need to use tools and you can just use your fingers to do it. And yeah, it, it, you know, it comes with one strap, so not multiple ones, but it's off of the watch. And like Bilal said, it just trains you to say, this is how to put it on. Yeah. Um, do you like the idea of getting aftermarket straps for your watches or are you just sort of happy going with what comes on the watch? It's funny, in theory, of course, but I've never bought one. Never? I've never bought one. No. Have you ever like... Every just... watch I wear that I own is on the strap or the bracelet that it came on. Every single one. I'm... Okay. I mean, the, the sort of rabbit hole, which is aftermarket straps, get, can get crazy. Yeah. Okay. So this is the Archimedes. This is a vintage diver style watch. Waters is 300 meters with an internal rotating bezel. I don't know what the size is. Maybe this is like a 41, 42 millimeter case. I think so. This one comes on a brown leather strap. Let's open up the other one. I, the funny thing is this dial is called the black dial version. Yet when you look at it, you don't think of the color black at all. Can I see? Well, it's not black. <laughs> That's why. It's called the black. Yeah. No, but you go to their website. Not, this is not a black dial. Not a black dial. There's, we have two versions of the no same watch the here. Dial. Anyway. It's called the black. Interesting. And the irony is the other watch here, which is the Milus Archimedes Blue, actually gray. has more black on it than the black. It's a gray. With a lot of browns? Yeah, it's a brown. So this is, the, this is the blue, which actually looks more black. That, no, but no. But that's blue. But it's got black. Well, sure, but I can see blue somewhere, at least. I'm just Where saying, should that just be called the blue and the brown? Oh, that sounds kind of sad. Maybe cream. Sad? Cream? No, it's not cream. It's well, silver. Well, I mean the, the color of the luminate and the hour markers. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not black. So, if it's cream or gray or brown, that's still more accurate than black. 
The naming conventions for how brands title their watches are an endless source of amusement for me. I mean, I was just on the Swatch website right now, and on their website, they had a couple of watches in the same collection, but they were named incorrectly. Like they had the wrong label, the right wrong watch. It's like the watch industry and naming their product, they haven't quite figured that out yet. There's like a hesitation behind it. It happens, yeah. But, it, it, but ongoingly, there's always watches all the time. The name is generic. It doesn't make sense. Why did they call it that? Or there's oh, something yeah. silly about it. Yeah. I mean, look, I understand that a lot of it is, you know, English is not the first language you're thinking of. But it's just funny. Like, you remember that Laco watch I was, we were trying to do that little experiment with? So the Laco Frankfurt GMT. Right. It comes in a dial that's called black and a dial that's called gray. Uh -huh. Okay. If you had both of them in front of you, the one which is the darker one, you'd know. Right. But I sat there with the one I had and I like, I spent as long as I could on their website trying to determine, do I have the gray one or do I have the black one? <laughs> and reasonable people could not agree which one it was. And it was which one? I don't know. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't still know. a mystery. We'll publish the review. Wow. It's pending right now. And then Laco will be there to clarify. <laughs> All right. Did you okay. put this? Did you put this Milos Archimedes on? No, I didn't. You don't even want to put on Archimedes? No. That, that seems like I, I a Bilal I watch. Did. I thought I did, actually. It seems like a very Bilal watch. Okay. What do you like better, the black or the blue? I like the I like the black one on you, which again is brown. The basically. black one. Yeah. It go it goes it goes with your style well. Goes yeah. with your shirt, goes with your colors. The blue the blue is nice, but the blue is for I don't know, just a slightly different type of like yeah. fashion. But that's the thing, it's, it's kind of typical now, so blue? Yeah. Did you find it funny that like that's the most popular color now and in a survey our audience is the most sick of blue watches? That makes sense to me. Are you excited that the Archimedes has an automatic helium release valve? Tell oh, me wow. how tell me yeah. how excited you are. I didn't even see that. Yeah. Oh yeah, there it is. There it is. Right on the side. Right on the side. It's a nice watch, I gotta say. It's like about two grand. Oh really? Uh-oh. I thought it was like 15, 14, 15. Well, okay, so the snow star is about nineteen hundred. Uh-huh. Um I don't know if it's just a snow star, but I think this one also uses the 904L steel. Does that change your feelings at all? Um, no, but that's not like obscene. I like how the back says Milus Archimedes by Milus. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it does. <laughs> it does say that. <laughs> that's okay. I, as being a word person, you know, background mm -hmm. being a lawyer and I write and stuff like that. I'm going to, I'm going to pick up on stuff like that maybe more than other people. And it, it also may mean nothing, but it's just funny how people's tastes and particular, you know, senses of, of what, you know, their, their pet peeves and things like that come out in watches. And yeah. we see that. I mean, one of the funny things is like, I don't care about this, but some people are, are against too many fonts on the dial. I understand that. Okay. For me, I'm I, like, well, you know, I want there I to be it. nice fonts, but like too many fonts. I don't know if that's a problem. Yeah, it can be a problem. Be a problem. Okay. I'm pulling, putting away these, these watches. So the funny thing is none of these watches have taken a picture of yet. So what I think a lot of people need to realize is we don't just sit there and stare at them and write about them. We have to do photography. We often do video. It it's takes, a pretty, it's, it's a pretty. It takes time. It's a prolonged process to review oh, a watch. Yeah, for sure. How many watches? Okay, we have one okay, left here. One left and it's in a box. 
And the boss better bring out the knife. And it's come from where? This is um, from Miami, Florida. Okay. Via Switzerland. This one's got blue tape on there. That means it's fancy. Is it a swatch piece? No. This is a watch that we published an article on yesterday, I think. So why are you getting it now? Oh, I think I For know. Hands on. The oh, wow. Look what's in here. Oh, baseball cap. I want that hat. Bilal got dibs on the hat. This is, a, I like how in, inside there's it, actually custom stitching in there. Yeah. I've got wow. one of those. So you want this hat? Yeah. Okay. Bilal is a, is a baseball hat kind of. You came here it wearing a baseball my head. hat. Yeah. And it's your colors too. Yeah. Gray. <laughs> light gray. Yeah. It's a very light gray. Okay, but at hat. some point I'm gonna have to have some of these hats myself because now that I, now I do some like gardening stuff, I find. Do you want this one? No, if I. You want it? You can have it. Already. You wear a hat like every single time. It's like your thing. Kind of. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna be. I'll. I'll be snooty about it when there's like cool swag that I use all the time. Like if it was like a tie dye T-shirt, I'd say give it to me. That's true. Yeah. Now you're wearing a hat on top of a hat. Yeah. You have nowhere else to put it. It's stacked. That's how that's how crowded my uh, my office is. Bilal has nowhere else to put <laughs> his hat except on his head where he's already wearing a hat. It's a nice box. So this one's a little bit different shape, right? Yeah. Still not a square, it's a rectangular, rectangular box. And they they had this custom part where there's like a fake plaque that has the bread. This is a Norcane. And they tried it because there's like a side plaque on the watch. Is it you can a fake plaque or is that an actual? Well, thing? it's not really screwed in. It looks like it's right, screwed right, in. It's right. a real plaque. I'm just right. saying like it's not. I'm sorry. It's a fake screwed in plaque. Okay. Yeah. So this is the exact one that you wrote about. This is their watch. I didn't write about this one. Oh, it didn't write about no. it. No. Somebody wrote about I it. I think it was Sean who wrote it. Sean that wrote about it. But I will be writing about this one. Well, I will be writing about it. What's this one called? The Independence the or something? Independence. Yeah. Independence. With so the brands the are the Adventure, dial. the Freedom, the Independence. And what was special about this one? It was the movement, right? Yeah, it's got the new Kinesi movement that they're doing with Tudor, I believe. Um, this does this does have a Tudor-esque look to it, to be honest. Yeah, nice looking movement, actually. It's a little it's it's industrial for sure. Oh, it's got they've got some custom printing on there. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so what did I say? Adventure, freedom, independence, independence, and that it actually has those three terms on the movement. It says adventure, freedom, independence. Oh, so I guess it's good for all three of those watches. <laughs> this is water resistant to a hundred meters. Okay, that's good. Limited edition. I like how they do this now. Rather than having having the actual number, like the actual like number in the limited edition, it just says one of two hundred. Right. So this could be any one that. In several pieces. Yeah. It's it's, it's a not little... a necessarily new thing. I dig this watch, actually. This green dial is mm -hmm. nice. Very Christmassy because it's, it's got this sort of like forest green and some hints of red. This is this is this is a this is a really nicely made piece. Here you go. Check this Let's out. See. Oh yeah. Nice case. I wish the hat matched the the watch dial. Wouldn't that be something if people started getting a hat that matched the same dial color? The yeah. They'd have to make a lot of hats, though, wouldn't Specific. they? Specific. Yeah. It would, it would be a lot of hats. So this watch is on a bracelet. It's a steel watch. It's got some personality of the case. There's some interesting shapes to it. Yeah. I don't know how in words to describe it, but it doesn't really look like anything else out there, even though it's 
familiar looking. Like you're not like, what is this weird thing I'm wearing? Yeah. Yeah. The crown guards and that plate kind of create a... You mean, I call it the side flank? Side flank, yeah. It kind of creates like a... So what, so what goes on is like, okay, you think of a standard round watch and you think of the crown, it's usually coming out on the right side of the case at three o'clock. And sometimes there's a, a guard or some type of other metal assembly around the crown. And what that does is it visually imbalances it so that there's too much visual weight on the right side. And so certain watches have some extra element on the left side of the case to help balance it out. That's what you know, Gerald Genta got really right uh, with watches like the Nautilus, where there's yep. that side flank. Hublot um, adopted that same type of thing. And Norcane, for basically all of their watches, that's where the plaque goes. Yeah, all of them. Um, do this. And again, it creates more balance, symmetrical balance that I think is, is, in the, is, is beneficial to it. I think it looks great. Yeah. So so a little new, new sort of area for the plate there. It's actually even more... Uh, more pronounced, interesting, not really skeletonization, but sort of like a, a cutaway with yeah. the different finishing in the lugs. So let's com let's compare this watch. This is interesting. I don't know the price differences here, but I'm looking at the Norcoyne Independence and the Wempe Iron Walker. Both steel watches on bracelets that have a familiar look, but that are similar. Uh, to, you know, they're, they're, they're distinctive. I, the watches don't look the same for sure, but if you look at them together... You see a similar level of attention on the bracelets, on the cases, on the dials. Um, I don't think the price points are too far. Do you remember the price point was? I'm looking it up right now. Of the independence? Is so it in I the threes? Well. Or in the uh, 29. Okay, so 20. So it's it's less than, than the Iron Walker because it doesn't have a chronograph movement. Um, it's a little bit, it's actually appears a little bit bigger. The dial, I think it's the case. It's got a big dial on it. Yeah, because it's got it's a, a thin bezel. Dial. So it's funny, it actually looks larger than the Iron Walker. But again, I think these are two watches that could easily fit in a similar collection. Oh, absolutely. And these are these are value watches, right? They're not necessarily from like a name brand right now, like an Omega or a Rolex. Right. But they're very well-made watches from people that know how to make watches. Both of them have, you know, Good movements, nice construction. They're both steel watches on steel bracelets. And these are not boring-looking steel bracelets. Both of these watches have good-looking, yeah. slightly distinctive bracelets. It's an integrated bracelet, right? On the Iron Walker, yeah. yeah. It's pretty nicely done, yeah. I'm looking at it again for the price of... We'll remind everyone which one you're talking about. 4000 The Time Walker. Uh, not Time Walker. <laughs> Iron Walker. Wrong Sorry. brand. R.I.P. Or is the Time Walker still made? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh boy. It just doesn't look like the old one. <laughs> oh boy. Remember, it's a it's like a racing yeah, watch of now. Of course. Yeah. How do you forget about the Time Walker? There's so many watches. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm looking again at the Independence here. This is really nicely done. Did you notice that the green isn't isn't just green, but it's got like a texture to it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a brushed pattern here. Yeah. It's not flat at all. And I like it's not a green that you that looks like a lot of other greens. No. This it's is not a, bright. Well, I think we're out of watches. Is that all of them? That's all of them. So we spent like legitimately an hour 
just looking at at less than 10 watches that came in. Yeah. Only chatting about at, it. Yeah. Chatting about it um, and musing on what it means. But this is part of the fun of being a watch reviewer, right? Absolutely. We do this, I don't know, how many times a year would you say we do this little, little let's see what, let's open up a bunch of watches? Many, many, many times. That's a lot of times. Like we do it like every week. Like, I mean, I do it like every week. Yeah, I mean, well, not always where we like have 10 of them waiting to be open. Yeah. But, but there's like we're three or four every few days. It's fun. I, I wish more people could be drawn into this. And again, we haven't really reviewed any of these per se, Not but yet. we've definitely given you know our thoughts, our opinions about it. Um, and that's what makes it exciting. So thank you so much for listening to this special unboxing episode of Superlative. I am Ariel Adams, and I was joined by Bilal Khan uh, of, of blog to watch Please listen. Um, to our shows, comment, um, follow along and subscribe and let us know what you think. And we look forward to making more of these soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Superlative Podcast. Support the show by subscribing and rating it on your preferred podcast platform. For questions, comments, and ideas, please email the show at superlative at ablogtowatch.com. For the latest in watch news, reviews, and culture, visit ablogtowatch.com. Thank you for listening to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?